Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, a happy new year to anyone I haven't seen yet. Um, we continue in the letter to the Ephesians, so please grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you've got a visitor's Bible, it's in page 976. 976. Before I read this morning, let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning as your church with all our imperfections. And we pray that you would join us together by your Holy Spirit. We pray that as we sit under your word, we would be humble. We pray that you would open our ears and and help us to hear your very voice speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's read from Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Well, in the, the first half, of chapter 2, Paul helped us to take seriously our spiritual health. In the second half of chapter 2, he helps us to take seriously our church, what it means to be the church. In verses 1 to 10, we looked at how all of us need the, the new life that only God can give by joining us together with Christ. In verses 11 to 22, we see that being joined together in Christ 
also means being joined together as a church. However, although the message today is about togetherness, Paul begins by talking about separation. In verses 11 to 13, Paul reminds the the Christians in Ephesus of what they were without Christ. God found them when they were strangers and alienated not only from him, but from his people. Throughout history, Gentiles were strangers who were both far away from God and from his covenant community. But through Christ, he's brought them near. Now, if you look down with me at verse 11, we see how Paul gives us an insight that the the Christians in, in Ephesus, the Gentiles, are called the uncircumcision by the circumcision. Now, from what we can tell here and other places in the New Testament, Jewish people of the day, they built these walls between them and the Gentiles, metaphorical walls, based on things like circumcision. Certain things that made the Hebrews special insiders and the Gentiles as outsiders. Now, when Paul says in verse 11 and 12, remember, I think he's saying, look, there's an element of truth here. You were alienated from God's community. In the Old Testament, we read that the Hebrews were God's special possession, the descendants of Abraham marked by circumcision. They were God's covenant people. They were who God had chosen for a special relationship. Yet at the same time, these people were also meant to be a light that shone out to the darkness on the outside, the people who were living in this darkness, outside of this community. They were, to, they were meant to share God with them. But instead, what we find as we read the Gospels as Jesus is walking amongst the Jewish teachers and the leaders, what we find are religious elitists. And they were very much focused and busy on keeping the outsiders firmly outside. Um, And in fact, what we see is actually uh, these Jewish leaders were, were creating walls within walls. They even had walls for their own Jewish people that they were trying to keep outside. What was once a community of God's grace just became a place of hostility. Verse 13, Paul says, not any longer. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul knows if Jewish false teachers are are keeping alive uh, the old barriers to the Gentiles, this This will keep them feeling far off. Perhaps they'll even forget that verse 13, that they have been brought near to God. That they've been brought into the community of God's people by the blood of Christ. And perhaps this will leave them feeling anything from bored, irritable, maybe even hostile themselves to each other. Maybe this has led to a church defined by conflict, arguments, unethical behavior, squabbling, rudeness, perhaps something much bigger and and, and threatening. 
We know that in our, our lives, for all of us, Christian or no Christian, there are, there are certain times and moments when we say, let's not argue today. Come on, you know, not today, it's Christmas, or it's a birthday, or a wedding, or a Tuesday. And what we're really saying is, come on, you know, look, this is a special gathering at a special time when there's something much bigger going on than your squabbles. In the church, we have this mindset not only every Sunday, but every day of every year. When we remember how God has, has brought us near to him, first of all, but also into the community of God's people, we're reminded that we're part of a very special gathering. And each Sunday, we put aside a day as a special moment to be that community. And we're reminded that there's something much bigger going on than our everyday lives. Chapter 1 told us that the church is actually part of God's ultimate plan. God is doing something with us and between us. The fact that we're all even here today is because of God, God's work. There's no way that every single one of us without God could come together over even a, a hobby or a similar interest, let alone try and be civil with, with each other in the amount of time we spend together. But that's the church brought near to God. Through Christ, we are also being brought near to each other. This is how special the church is. These Ephesian Christians that Paul is writing to, they had plenty of reasons without Jewish false teachers to leave them feeling separated, lonely, angry, full of doubt, and thinking very small things about their small church. But Paul challenges them, and I think he challenges us, to think bigger about what we are as a church. In verses 14 to 18, Paul describes how God took those who were separated and were reconciled not only joined to God, but to each other. He says the pathway to this peace is actually through the hostility of the cross. This is how we become the church made by Christ. Now, in the last section, everything Paul said was with, was with the word you. But now, from verse 14, he switches. And so as I read out, Verses 14 to 18, I want you to notice the words our, us, both, and we. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The Jewish false teachers of the day used religious ceremonial laws to build walls, and keep out the outsiders. And all this did was create hostility. Back in verse 11, 
Paul called these religious walls uh, for what they are. He said, they are, they are made in the flesh by hands. This is not what God is doing. But verse 14, Paul says, God has brought peace and broken down these walls by taking on flesh. When, as this sign behind me says, the word became flesh, he abolished and he created. That's what verse 15 says. He abolished the ceremonial laws, like circumcision, and he created in himself one new man in the place of two. Now, it's important here to remember that alongside the hostility between people on the ground, there's also a hostility between us and God if we are without Christ. But at the cross, Jesus took that on himself. That's what verse 16 says. He took the punishment so that we could be reconciled to God, but that also meant that we could be reconciled to each other. But why? Or or I should say, how? How is it that being reconciled to God, that somehow we become more reconciled to each other? Well, I think we find the answer in this section by noticing the repetition of the word one. Paul says, verse 14, Christ has made us both one. He has, verse 15, created in himself one new man. And verse 18, through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Why do we end up being reconciled to each other because we're reconciled to God? Well, because of this oneness. I was trying to think of a a helpful illustration, and all I could think of was uh, phantom limb syndrome. So I'm told apparently when you lose a a limb, your nerve endings sometimes make it feel like that limb is, is still attached, it's still there. Our limbs are made to be part of one body. The church made by Christ is made as one body. Paul says in uh, another letter to the Romans, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, as one body in Christ, and individually are individually members one of another. Now, there is a great difference in our personalities, in what we're good at, in what we're bad at, in the ways that we'll actually go about serving one another, So many things that we like and dislike. We are all individuals, but we're also members of one body. And thank God that we have the Holy Spirit to make that work. I don't think Paul's expecting the Ephesian church to to read this letter and, and suddenly turn into the perfect church. And I don't think we need to read this and expect to suddenly be perfect. But I do think we're expected, and I think God really calls us to think very seriously about our relationships with one another in the context of being the one body who, by the Spirit, has access to God the Father. That's the bigger picture of this community. Remember last week in verse 6, our new life in Christ means that 
spiritually speaking, we've already been raised and are seated with him in heaven. I think Paul is saying, let's think about this community here on the ground based on what is true up there in the heavens. Now, it may not always look like it or feel like it, but we really are the church in Christ. Verses 18 to 22, Paul says that each one of us, very ordinary-looking Christians, are part of God's holy temple. You wouldn't always think it when you look in the mirror or all the mistakes that we make, the ways that we fail to love one another well enough. Or think about the the wider church, the conflicts between denominations, the arguments over teaching, the falling into temptation that we see across the church. But Paul says, remember, you're no longer the strangers you once were to God or to each other. We are God's very own saints, verse 19. We are members of the church gathered as his holy people, as God's household. And with verse 20, Christ at the center, as the cornerstone. And we are formed by the foundational teaching carried forth by the apostles and the prophets. The church, verse 21, is where God promises to meet with his people, where his spirit works and joins us together, growing as part of his holy temple. The church, verse 22, is where God dwells because he dwells in each one of us. What sweet words this would have been to the Ephesian Christians. Whatever glory Jerusalem and its temple may have had, their church is part of the new Jerusalem. Their gathering is the place where God's holy temple touches on earth. Sweet words to the Ephesian Christians, but a final blow to any Jewish elitism. Paul places this Ephesian church as having the utmost importance precisely because it's not from their, built on their divisive, hostile teachings, but on the peace of Christ. So if they want to enjoy access to God and his holy temple, they must be a part of this church and join with this people. Now, if you're like me and and you've uh, watched things like Game of Thrones, you know that each house has a motto. Winter is coming, a Lannister always pays his debts, and so on. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you, you know that each house has an identity. You can expect very different things from a Slytherin to a, a Hufflepuff. But in God's household, we're not identified by flags or colored gowns or how good we are at things or anything like that. What defines this house is God. And there's no greater way of saying it, no better way of emphasizing it, why this church is so special. There's no way of proving it uh, to people who don't believe in God or care about God 
why we come here every week, our very purpose. It is simply because of God. We are part of God's holy temple. And and as his saints, we are where God dwells. We are joined together in peace, a spiritual peace that will extend into forever. Think about that for a moment. This group of people sitting here today who have put their faith in Christ have been joined together for the rest of time. Forever. And one day, we will all together set our eyes on God. Together, we'll stand with every Christian that has ever been. Every person in the past who we've known and not known, who've put their faith in Jesus, will all be sitting around the largest of tables with the largest of feasts, all in the presence of God. That's us. That's, that's who you are. That's who all churches across time are. This is what Christ has done. This is the church he has made. A band of brothers and sisters with a bond of love who will share forever with each other. I think this morning we should remember this as we join together for the Lord's Supper. As we take the bread, Christ's body broken for us, as we take the wine, the blood of Christ, shed for us, let's remember we are joined together in this one body. Joined together forever as part of God's holy temple. Let our thoughts and our hearts join together in Christ as we pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that... Although we once were separated from you, you came and you found us and you called us to you. You drew us near. You brought us in. We rest in Christ together. We thank you so much for it. And Father, we pray for all those people who remain on the outside, the people who have not committed their life to Christ. Please, Father, let them know that they are welcome. Invite them and call them to be part, not just of this family at ENC, but the family across the world and across time who join together in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.